This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. And welcome to the best show on your radio. We always appreciate you joining us on Freddie and Harry. My man Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman presented by Progressive Insurance. Appreciate you joining us on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And always tell that smart speaker of yours to play ESPN radio. We call the put up or shut up Sunday in the National Football League. And I never thought, Chad Brown, we will be putting the San Francisco 49ers in that category. Losers of three in a row. Trying to make sure it's not four in a row. And this Jacksonville Jaguars team that they're about to play on Sunday in Jacksonville, they believe. They look at everybody and say, you don't have to give us any kind of credit. We can't wait to get out there. And the 49ers making a switch in terms of Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator. He's not going to be moved out of that spot, but he's moving down from the press box from calling plays to the sideline. How much kind of a move is this for those who don't know involvement the 49ers are going to try to do to get things right after losing three in a row at the start of the season 5-0? and This is a major step. This is a big step. And there's a lot of things that can be accomplished with that. Now, there's coordinators on either side of the ball, offensively or defensively. Some want to be on the sidelines. Some want to be up in the booth. I always thought from a play-calling perspective, being in the booth is best because you get to see the entire field and you can see things from a perspective and from an angle that you just simply can't on the sideline and then also if you're going to be up in the booth you've got a you've got a desk in front of you and as as small of a a thing as that sounds you can have all your paperwork spread out you can really examine your notes versus that giant play sheet that we see coordinators have on the sideline that's all they've got at their disposal that and a couple of sharpies in their pocket (laughs) so for steve wilkes to make this move from the booth down to the sideline I'd imagine it's got to present a little bit of an anxiety from the perspective of, man, I'm not going to see things as well. But the major plus is you can accomplish so many things so much faster because of the direct line of communication between you and the players and you and your coaching staff. Let's say uh, you just stop somebody on defense, and now your defenders have got to the sideline, mm-hmm. and you are on your co- you are on your headset with, talking with the coaches on the sideline, trying to figure out what adjustments we want to make, right. and can we pull off those adjustments? So by the time you had that conversation, maybe the offense is now entering into second down. And by the time your coordinators agree with what we're going to talk about, not your coordinators, I'm sorry, your position coaches agree with what we're going to talk about, they get a chance to get to those guys on the sideline who are sitting on the bench. Well, the offense just had third down. It's a three and out. Now we're punting the football again. So now we've gone one series without getting any adjustments done, not a single word of adjustments. The players have got some water, but we haven't accomplished anything from a schematic standpoint. Your offense has two or three, three and outs in a row. You can go an entire quarter without being able to communicate with your players versus Steve Wilkes being on the sideline, being able to grab Nick Bosa, literally as he's coming off the field and saying, hey, man, you got to adjust your linemen. When they come with that two tight end set, I want you to get in between those guys and get upfield or whatever the adjustment may be, he can have that direct line of communication without waiting to communicate to position coaches and then for them getting to the guys who are sitting on the bench. Great stuff by Chad Brown. By the way, check out what Kyle Shanahan, 49ers head coach, had to say about this move. Steve Wilson, defensive coordinator, still the D.C., but he will not be calling plays up top. He'll be on the field. 
We're going to try to get to that sound in a couple of seconds. Oh, we got it right now. So here's Kyle Shannon. Talk about that move from Steve Wills going from up top to down below on the sidelines with his players. We're having trouble with that sound. We'll get to it in a couple of seconds here on Freddie, Harry, and ESPN Radio. Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas on Freddie Coleman because Kyle Shannon effectively said what you just said about having that communication. And I think a big part of that – oh, we do have the sound. Let's have it right now. Just because of some of the stuff you do in the box, you know, all the advantages to it, which are great, but I kind of wanted to be down and be near our players a little bit. Uh, They've had that more just with the linebacker communication in the past, and I want him to be down there so he can talk to guys a little bit more. I wonder how much of this, Chad, is the 49ers getting back to the identity, and that's having that defense impose its will on people because that has not happened the last three games. They were literally pushed around by the Cleveland Browns early, even though that missed field goal, they almost were able to call that a comeback and win that game. Then the Minnesota Vikings, they were throwing the ball all over the place. Kirk Cousins didn't have to worry about any kind of pressure. The offensive line protected him. And then the Bengals really pushed them around on their home field, running the football, throwing the football, keeping Joe Burrow clean. They got in touch with their inner bloodthirsty pirates when it comes to the 49ers because that's the nickname I've given the 49ers because that identity starts with their defense. And to me, I wonder how much of this is finding a chance to bring that identity back to the table because that is who the San Francisco 49ers are. Everything is based on how terrific their defense is and how much they can impose their will that can affect opposing teams, not just on the offensive side of the football. Well, let's not uh, forget what happened in the playoffs last year when Philadelphia pushed them all around the field as That's well. That's true, yeah. So the blueprint was established in that playoff game. If you're going to deal with this 49ers defense, this is what you need to do. Now, there's also a offensive component to that as well. This Niners defense is is a speed-based defense as good as – Bosa is, as good as Fred Warner is, as, as good as all these other players on the 49ers, Hufanga, the safety. Those guys are best. This defense is best built to play from ahead. When the Niners offense has the game either close or they are ahead, because then Bosa can pin his ears back and go after somebody. Then Fred Warner can wait and, and, and try to disguise cover so he can get a jump on the ball and try to get a pick. Mm-hmm. If you're going to line up and try to run the ball down the Niners' throat, you are capable of doing that because that defensive line, that front is built for speed, not for power. Right. So now this formula has been established. It is really up to Kyle Shanahan and that offensive side of the football to put this Niners defense in a situation where they can be best utilized. Again, if the game is close and the other team can do what Cincinnati did, mix in running past and go with some power runs, you give yourself a great shot. So this tweak from bringing Wilkes up from the – booth down to the sideline mm-hmm. I think is less to do with Jacksonville or whoever they're going to be playing in the next couple of weeks and more to do with trying to get that unit back believing in themselves and playing the kind of football they need to to be the team that we expected them all to be I'm not going to say by the way Chad Brown and for Harry Douglas joining me Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry on ESPN radio I'm not going to say that the San Francisco 49ers are in trouble trouble because there's still plenty of football to be played They have nine games left. No matter what happens, they'll have eight games left when they take on the Jacksonville Jaguars and Jaguars and Jacksonville by the game 1 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday on most ESPN radio stations. But if they go to 5-4, and they won't point fingers, but that's going to be a confidence crisis for a team that has always been a very confident football team, a team that's still going to stay together. But then that doubt's going to creep in your mind a little bit, no matter what kind of organizational structure that you have, no matter what you've been able to do as a team that contends for a championship every year, you lose four in a row 
and you lose to a team on the come up when it comes to Jacksonville because Jacksonville wants to show people that they're arriving, that they're ready. They can compete with Kansas City. They can compete with Buffalo. They can compete with Miami. They can compete with the Baltimore Ravens, those teams in the AFC East, in the AFC period. They win a game like that. All of a sudden, they keep ascending, and the 49ers may be in more trouble than we think, trying not to be a descending team, and they still wide-open NFC. Yeah, as far as Jacksonville, they're running away with that uh, with their division. So they're for real. There's no doubt about that in, in my mind. And the Niners, yeah, they were having a, a, a crisis of confidence, a, a crisis of of belief in, in some ways because mm-hmm. there's enough talent on both sides of the ball for them to play far better than they played the last two weeks. But Absolutely. to have a month, a solid month of losing football, no matter how confident of a team and organization you may be, no matter how much energy and swagger you try to bring to the field, you can't help but reflect upon a month of bad football. And what happens in those situations is as soon as the, the first bad thing happens, Rather than saying, oh, i got to find a way to make a play, mm-hmm. the mindset becomes, oh, here we go again. I can, and then, yeah. And then, okay, well, let me try to help out that guy right. who's getting beat. Oh, now you just beat me because I'm trying to help that guy over mm-hmm. there. Right. And then it starts to spiral out of control. That's what happens with, with teams when they're facing a losing streak like the Niners are potentially doing here. For the first time, they have to play complimentary football. It can't just be about the defense carrying the offense. Now the offense has got to step up and sort of carry the defense, in my opinion, in this game because we know what that has looked like with Brock Purdy. We've seen what it has not looked like in the last three weeks with Brock Purdy. And to be fair, Debo Samuel coming back, he is the bell cow for this team. When he's not there, it's a seismic effect in the offense. It's a seismic effect on their ability to be a confident football team because now you're hoping that other guys will be able to step up and outweigh the performance that he brings to the table. Getting him back is very, very key for this offense. Getting him back, in my opinion, Chad, is very key for San Francisco when it comes to their psyche and trying to get back to the team that they know they can be, that they were the first five weeks, that we have not seen the last three weeks. Yeah, I don't think we've – I mean, is, is there a team this year who's had such a hot start and then petered off so so quickly? No. I don't think there's another team in the league who's done what the Niners have done. Yeah. Win five in a row and then drop three in a row. And, again, this Jacksonville team that uh, the Niners are going to visit on Sunday, they are for real. They've got talent at multiple offensive positions. They're playing good football. They play complementary football as well. So if the Niners are going to get this done, it's going to take just more than one side of the ball to stand out. They're going to have to all three phases beat this Jacksonville team because Jacksonville's good. And to your point, the Niners need that kind of victory because neither side of the ball is playing well enough just to do it all on their own. And from the we know this now, so you department, Jacksonville's 11-2 since week 14 last year. That is the second best record in the NFL over that span, only the Kansas City Chiefs are better at 12-2. And, and also Jacksonville, 4-0 versus teams entering with a winning record this season. That is tied for the Eagles for the most such wins in the NFL. Their defense has only allowed 14.3 points per game in those four games versus winning teams. This Jaguars team, if you don't think they're for real, those stats will bear that out. Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. Joining me, Freddie Coleman. I'm Freddie and Harry. Appreciate you joining us on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable, so get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Chad Brown and I have a lot of things in common. We both play football in college. 
I didn't play in the NFL, but I watched NFL games. I watched him when he played in the NFL. And we're also huge, huge fans of our next guest because we both had his poster on our dorm room walls when we both were in college. If you don't know the poster, just think of a man, very slender, looking very cool, in a silver tracksuit, sitting on blocks of ice, and having two silver basketballs. It is the most one of the most iconic posters in the history of posters when it comes to the NBA. And the guy we're talking about is Basketball Hall of Fame, one of the greatest scores ever in the history of the NBA and the ABA. He is George Gervin. He's got a great new book out, co-written with Scoop Jackson, one of our favorites, called Ice, I, Why I Was Born to Score. And the Hall of Famer joins us here on Freddie and Harry with Chad Brown and Freddie Coleman. Mr. Gervin, always a pleasure to talk with you, especially about your book. And for those who don't know, how did you get the nickname Iceman? <laughs> Got the nickname when I was in the ABA. Uh, Fatty Taylor gave me that name. and The reason being is he always said that I used to get 25 and 30 and didn't sweat. So <laughs> he started calling me Ice, man. That's how uh, I guess that would be the easiest way to say it. All right, George. Uh, as Freddie just said, a big fan of yours growing up. Uh, I had two basketball nicknames. I wanted to be Chocolate Thunder Daryl Dawkins, but unfortunately I'm very light-skinned, so I could not go by Chocolate Thunder. So I chose to go with Iceman because I always could. Finger roll. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like that. I like that. But I, I got to ask you, uh, what is your impression of uh, Victor Wembanyama so far? But this young fellow who seems like he's posed, poised to take the league uh, and become a true superstar. You know, what I really like, I like his attitude. Um, um, you know, it's obviously that he's a humble young man. Um, we all see that he got talent and and he understand how to play. Um, being 7'4", seven, 7'5", seven, and being able to do the things that he can with the basketball is something that we haven't seen uh, yet. So potential-wise, wow, it's scary. Um He's a, you know, I, I, I personally think he's going to be special throughout the league for a long time. The great George Gervin, basketball Hall of Famer. His new book is out, co-written with Scoop Jackson. Ice, why I was born to score, joining Freddie Coleman and Chad Brown, the second Ice Man here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN <laughs> Radio. I'm going to share a story with you, Mr. Gervin, and Chad and everybody else doesn't know this. Growing up in New York, I used to watch New York Nets games on Channel 9 in the ABA. I'll never get the first time that you played for the San Antonio Spurs. They had just moved from St. Louis, and they became that franchise. And Larry Keenan got traded to from the New York Nets to your basketball team. And I said, I can't believe Larry Keenan is playing with these bunch of bums down in San Antonio. <laughs> then George Gervin hit the Nets in the mouth that night for 48 points. And my dad said, who's a bum now? And I said, not that guy, that light-skinned brother from Detroit named George Gervin. For those who don't know, what were those days in the ABA like? Because I still think that was some of the best basketball I had a chance to watch when I was growing up in New York City. You know, for people that, like you said, don't know, what you're seeing today is similar to what it was in yesterday with the ABA. You know, we put points on the board. You know, very entertaining. Um, you know, we had a lot of young guys playing. Um, you know, our whole goal was to rack up points. Um, so that made it special. And, you know, for me at that time, the NBA wasn't accepting hardship cases. So mm-hmm. uh, in my situation, I didn't have a chance to, be an NBA player at 19 years old. So I was fortunate that another league was in existence, uh, which is the ABA, and they 
gave me an opportunity to play, you know, American Basketball Association and become a young pro. So for me, the ABA was everything and still is today for me because without it, I might not have had the shot that I did to, you know, to get in the NBA. Now, you are clearly a legend of the game, George, and I'm sure when you watch NBA basketball now, you see players doing some things that remind you of things you used to do on the court. Uh, who are some of those players that you look to and go, oh, wow, that's that looks like me doing that right there? Well, you know, Kevin Durant is one of the guys I think of first, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, because Kevin can just flat out score. You know, now he he don't score like I did, but, you know, he's efficient in how he scores. You know, I think the guy that moves like I do is the Greek freak, you know, with Milwaukee because he glides a lot. You know, um, he can average 30 and and really don't have a real consistent jumper. So his ability to weave in and out, you know, through traffic and be able to do the things athletically and for me as smooth as he do it, you know, reminds me uh, of myself. Basketball Hall of Famer George Gervin joining Freddie Coleman and Chad Brown and Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio. His new book, co-written with Scoop Jackson, Ice Why Was Born to Score. I heard something about a year ago, and forgive me for not remembering the person who said this, but they said when they saw Steph Curry, they said, that's a pocket George Gervin. What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> well, he, he's special, you know. I give him all the credit in the world, man. You could tell he just loved the game. Mm-hmm. And his skill set, his ability to shoot the ball, his ability to entertain. I really felt I was an entertainer when I played. Uh, but to see Curry do the things he's able to do and keep a smile on his face, uh, wow, that's that's beautiful, man. I, I'm definitely a fan of his, man. Uh, you know, because of his ability, because that he loved and appreciate the game, man. The things that he accomplished in the game is special. George, now, when you sit down and, and write a book, you kind of got to look back at your history and all the stories and all, all the great things. Is there like one or two memories you want to share that, uh, you know, was stirred up in the process of putting your legacy onto paper? Well, you know, I, I, I've got a documentary coming out also, and mm-hmm. the gentleman that said that, you know, while we're doing this, we might as well do a book, and I agree with him. You know, so it's, it wasn't nothing I thought about doing. It's something that I agreed to do. And to be able to look at life how I see it out of my eyes, you know, um, I talk about a lot of different situations. Um, you know, I talk about mental health. You know, I talk about you know, recovery, um, you know, the title of my book is, you know, is born to score. And when most people look at it, they'll be thinking that I'm talking about score on the basketball floor. But really, I'm talking about using that metaphor of score in life, you know, to overcome, um, you know, addiction, you know, to be able to, you know, um, overcome, you know, different aspects of things that happen in my life. Um, you know, I have unbelievable programs here in San Antonio that I created over 30 years ago that's been very successful. So I'm more so talking about that metaphor in the book, and I think it'll be entertaining for people to take their time and read it and look at it from, you know, my, my viewpoint of how I feel life is. The most entertaining part for me, having read the book, was when you talked about your mom. You said, and I'm reading it word for word, coming up being raised by a single mom 
Education was what she always put on us. That's how she said we were going to get out and have opportunities. She always said education would create opportunities for you. We were poor, but she did such an unbelievable job that we never felt like we were poor. How much of how you've been able to be a scorer on and off the court is based on what kind of example your mother, a single mother, did for you and the rest of your brothers and sisters? You know, you know, it's the value system she set in us, you know, and, and, and help us understand. My mama used to always say, you know, you treat people like you okay. want to be treated. And you probably won't have very many issues in your life. So, you know, that's another form of education, you know, that, you know, that she gave us that helped me through life. Uh, you know, education, we all know, and I talk about it a lot, that with my charter schools, I tell young kids, you got two ways you're going to do your one to 12. You're going to do your one to 12 in an educational facility or you're going to do your one to 12 in jail. Wow. It just works like that. We need that fundamental of education just to deal with the world that we live in. We need more people like George Gervin, and it has absolutely everything and nothing to do with basketball. Read his book. It is fantastic. Co-written with Scoop Jackson. Ice Why was born to score. Believe me, for two young kids who had his post on our dorm walls in college, this was a treat for Chad <laughs> Brown and Freddie Coleman to talk to the, Drake, the great George Iceman Gervin who joined us on Freddie and Harry. Mr. Gervin, the book is fantastic. Good luck and everything with that. God bless you, my brother. Take care and be well. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, love you guys, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, Thanks, I, Ice. I, I tell you, there's certain knee-knocking moments yep. doing this job. That was one of both of us. Although it was pretty cool, I found that Chad Brown called himself the Ice Man. I thought that was pretty cool to hear that, Chad. Oh man, I, I could always finger roll. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm left-handed. I would go in the paint with the left hand, and they would, you know, go to the right. I had the left hand finger roll always man, open for me. Those lefties always gave me problems in the basketball court. <laughs> Devin Kane, right now, one of my our producers, going, "Yep," because we play pickup ball against a lefty, and every time we saw him, like, "Oh man, it's going to be a long day playing pickup against a guy like that." Keep weighing in anytime you want. We love to see what you have to say at Chad Brown ninety four. That's Chad handle my handle Coleman ESPN part of Twitter. We get back to the National Football League, and we talk about finalities. We talk about that with Chad, with Zach Wilson, excuse me, that maybe just maybe could be his final game as just done at quarterback this week. Could we say the same thing about this year for Justin Fields as quarterback in Chicago? And oh, by the way, they were in the same draft class. We'll get to that next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, 
that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Thanks for being a part of it and allowing it to be a part of you. It is Freddie and Harry. Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman, presented by Progressive Insurance. Appreciate you joining us on Sirius XM Channel 80. Tune in and always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. So if you're the Chicago Bears, it's a win-win tonight no matter what the final score is against the Carolina Panthers, that game in Chicago. No matter what the outcome is going to be, the Bears will boost their chances at the number one pick. And all of a sudden, maybe, just maybe, they may have a new quarterback and moving on from Justin Fields. We'll talk about a lot of that right now with Courtney Cronin, not only ESPN Bears reporter, also catcher when she has a chance to fill in and doing a fantastic job, part of the best week ever each and every week on ESPN Radio and also on Around the Horn here on Twitter at Courtney R. Cronin. I laid out everything like that when it comes to Justin Fields. Courtney, what does your gut tell you about maybe this could be his final season as a Bears quarterback? Well, before we get started, I heard there was a little bit of a conundrum that you were stressed about having two NFL teams and wondering if that's okay. Freddie, as long as you have one in the AFC and one in the NFC, I will allow it. I'm not somebody who's going to squash your dreams on that. God God bless you, number one. And number two, they were stressing it, Courtney, more than I was because I've not stressed this for the past 50 plus years. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And you know, Freddie, anything you do, I'm a ride with. So that's that's how we roll. Um, Exactly. As it pertains to Justin Fields, I mean, we know he's not playing tonight. There was kind of that word salad that Matt Eberflus tossed up yesterday, but he won't play tonight. It's Tyson Bajant, so that means one fewer games for the Bears to evaluate Justin Fields throughout the remainder of the 2023 season, but it does sound like things are on track for him to come back against Detroit. Now, that means the Bears will have roughly a month and a half, about seven games for them to evaluate how much further they think he has to go in terms of his evaluation and what more they have not seen from him. So when he comes back, can those sack numbers go down? Can his success rate at the end of half, like he's got an 18.7 QBR in the end of half of games this season, one touchdown and four interceptions. That's by far the worst among quarter uh, starting quarterbacks in the NFL. That's where they need to see him make a jump before they can truly either say, yes, we're going to move forward with him in 2024, or, hey, we're sitting on two very high draft picks. We've got to go get somebody else uh, in this draft class. It's pretty loaded with talent at that position. Courtney, uh, I read your Twitter feed, and with mm-hmm. your all your Bears tweets, sometimes it reads like a sad novel. So I have a lot of, <laughs> I have a lot of empathy for you with your Thank Bears. Thank you. I need that. Bears I'm <laughs> Now, what's Matt Eberflus's future like in Chicago? Considering the situation in Michigan with Harbaugh, he was a very talented football coach, may have a good bit of a controversial way about him, but he certainly, I'm sure Chicago Bear fans would welcome someone like that as a head coach in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, there's no, like, if you go back to last Wednesday when Ryan Foles talked about the Montez sweat trade, and in that moment, that was the same day that yet another staffer under Matt Eberflus left the staff, and this time this was one due to firing, Um, he gave a pretty big vote of confidence to the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Now, to me, I read that as no matter what happens this year, it's not like there's going to be a mid-season firing. But beyond that, as far as it goes for next year, they have to keep all options open. They're 5-21 and with this entire leadership, whether that's Ryan Poles, whether that's Matt Eberflus collectively, since those two got here in 2022, this rebuild has slowly 
continued to try to get off the ground. And there's not a lot of wins to show for it. And if you do bring quarterback in next year, do you want a defensive head coach first and foremost? And do you believe this staff, which has not been able to develop you know, Justin Fields in the way that they had hoped. Uh, it's definitely come along slower than most people expected, especially those who, you know, are, are a part of like the day-to-day process with Justin Fields. Do they want to keep those people in place? So it, it, it sets up once again, no matter what happens the rest of this way, this sets up for very busy off season in Chicago one year after this team had the number one pick and subsequently traded it. The Oz Fantastic, Courtney Cronin, not just an ESPN Bears reporter, catching around the horn and also host of the best week ever each and every week in an ESPN radio, joining Chad Brown and Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry. I hate to bring up his name, but I really don't hate to bring up his name. What kind of chat has there been about maybe Jim Harbaugh being the coach of this team and Matt Eberflus is bounced out after the season, Courtney? I think some Bears fans would like that, certainly for the nostalgia because he played here and was mm-hmm. such a big part of this franchise, yep. but... You also think about what he did with Colin Kaepernick, getting him to a Super Bowl so early in his career when he was with the San Francisco 49ers. He knows how to develop quarterback talent. And if this team is in position, which they are right now, if they decide that they want to go forward and draft a quarterback, whether it's Caleb Williams, whether it's Drake May, whether it's J.J. McCarthy, however the board shakes out, they're going to need somebody to develop that guy. And I wouldn't say by any stretch it's being discussed within the franchise, but certainly here in the city, people can make their ties to Jim Harbaugh potentially not being at Michigan, regardless of whether he's the Bears next year. Uh, If those NCAA violations end up coming down and becoming a level one violation or even worse, he's probably headed back to the NFL. And I know there is a portion of this fan base that would be excited to have somebody else, even though it's starting over once again, but somebody else who is a proven winner in the NFL coming here and, and taking the reins of the franchise. All right, Courtney, Montez Sweat, the defensive and the edge guy brought in, has, has had another week to get himself accustomed to this team. Do you expect an impact from him tonight? I do, and for a number of reasons. Like, I was kind of surprised how much he played in his first game in New Orleans. Like, he was playing – he started opposite Unique and Gakwe, yet those two finished with the most snaps of any defensive end on this team. And that's a good sign that this is somebody who could pick up the playbook pretty quickly, even though he had about four days to do it once he got acclimated. But when he really gets acclimated, when he really gets entrenched in, in what they're asking him to do, more than just third downs, more than just you know, uh, you know know two-minute drill stuff, he was rolled in on an occasional first and second down in New Orleans – he can collapse the pocket. It's just a matter of can everybody else do their job and and finish the rush because this team has had such an issue pressuring quarterbacks and being able to to generate sacks. They're still league low. Uh, Sack percentage, quarterback hits, total sacks at 10 through nine games. And that's troublesome. I mean, that's the entire reason that Ryan Poles saw, you know, took advantage of the opportunity he saw to go get Montez Sweat because just like, this team did with the offense in being aggressive to go get a playmaker like DJ Moore. They felt they had to do the same thing on the defensive side of the ball and get a game changer. Somebody who didn't have this game wrecking debut. It wasn't like Khalil Mack's debut with the bears in 2018 um, where he was just, you know, taking over the game, but he also had just gotten there too. I still think if you give Montez sweat some time, you're going to see the benefit here of somebody who is just about to enter his prime as yeah. a pass rusher. Yeah, no doubt about that. Either way, the last time the Chicago Bears played on Thursday Night Football, they actually won that football game, beating the Washington Commanders. So at least there's some good news as playing the Carolina Panthers tonight. Both these two get together in Chicago. No matter what happens, 
our young lady, Courtney Crone, will be all over as a ESPN Bears reporter, also host of the best week ever each and every week in an ESPN radio, and catch her on Around the Horn. And she's a great follow on Twitter, sad novelist or not, at Courtney R. Crone. And joining us here on Freddie and Harry with me and Chad Brown on ESPN Radio. You're my sister, Courtney. Thank you for the kind words. And I can't wait to talk to you soon, Courtney. Thanks a lot and be well. No problem. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Courtney. That's the line of the day so far, Chad, when you said <laughs> Kevin Winter, sports and anchor, gave you a standing ovation. So did Shannon Finn, Devin Kane, and Margaret Rowles because that's exactly what it reads like because you can only put so much of a spin. And she does such a great job reporting on the Bears. But at times, just the way that this angst has been there 2023, it does read like a very, very sad novel, her tweets on the Bears in 2023. Yeah, there's optimism to start every single ball game, and then things start falling apart, and the, you know, Courtney's got to tell the truth. She's got to report what's happening on the field, and that's when it turns from the hope and optimism to a very sad, sad read. No doubt about that. It is Veterans Week here at ESPN. We're always proud to recognize that, and we honor all military personnel who are actively serving, veterans who have served, and those who made the ultimate sacrifice. Prime example, I come from a military family. My uncle Tommy Lee served in Vietnam, and we always were proud of him service because he didn't have to do that, but he put his life on the line for the freedoms of others in this country. And we want to make sure that military personnel and military spouses everywhere are aware of ESPN's continued support of Disabled American Veterans Career Fairs, which connect veterans and spouses with employers nationwide who are committed to hiring them. To learn more, visit DAV.org. That is DAV.org. More Freddie and Harry next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of people think of Bill Belichick as if this could be the last dance of Bill Belichick when it comes to the season or maybe after Sunday. Hmm. He's Chad Brown, who played for Bill Belichick in New England as part of his 15-year NFL career in for Harry Douglas. Joining me, Freddie Coleman on Freddie and Harry. Thanks for joining us on the ESPN app, Sirius X and Channel 80. And always tell you a smart speaker to play ESPN radio. Reports are out there, including the one written by Ben Volan last week in the Boston Globe before they played the Washington Commanders. And he reported, I'm paraphrasing the article, part of the article, Chad, in which he said the pages go 0-2. They lost to Washington, and then they lost in Frankfurt, Germany versus the Indianapolis Colts. That's regards like the Crafts Super Bowl 
brand overseas, taking your team over there, past history winning championships, that he said, and I'm paraphrasing like I said, that it would not be surprising if the Crafts make that move, meaning Robert Kraft and his son, to move on from Bill Belichick and install Gerard Mayo, who played for him like you did, as the interim head coach. I would not see that. I can't see it. But it shows you exactly where we are when nobody thought we would be here four years removed when it comes to Tom Brady leaving New England and going to Tampa Bay. It seems just so difficult to, 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 to fathom that folks are talking about not just firing Bill Belichick, which is enough of a conversation to begin with, but they're talking about maybe not being the coach after this Colts game overseas. It's it's mind-blowing to me that this is the conversation. This I've been around some great coaches. I was coached by Bill Cowher, who wears a gold jacket. Mm-hmm. Mike Holmgren, who's in consideration for a gold jacket. Dennis Erickson, you know, didn't have a lot of success in the NFL, but definitely considered a great offensive mind and a very, very good college football coach. Bill McCarty, my coach at the University of Colorado, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. My high school coach, (laughs) Jim Brownfield, is in the California State Athletic Hall of Fame. So I've been coached by Hall of Famers everywhere. Dick LeBeau was my defensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. He's in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick is going to go in the Hall of Fame five years after he's done, wherever, whenever that may be. I considered him, despite all the names I just listed off, and I'm sure I'm missing a few in there, to be the greatest coach I've ever been around. So it's been incredibly d- difficult to watch the last couple of years um, and realize that this only adds fuel to the fire of who was the engine behind the Patriots' success. Was right. it Tom Brady or was it Bill Belichick? I would say neither one could have been successful without the other one. No doubt. But, this, but the last couple of years lends itself to discrediting all that Bill has done and putting all the success onto Tom's shoulders because he went to Tampa Bay and found success immediately. Oh. And Tom's, and Bill and the Patriots have gone nowhere but worse and worse and worse over the last couple of years. So it's a, it's a rough spot that the crafts find themselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, the crazy part about all of this is as difficult as these conversations are to have and to fathom about Bill Belichick being fired, much less being fired in season, you know how Bill Belichick would handle this if he were the one making the decision. Exactly. He would be harsh. Mm-hmm. There would be no personal feelings. Mm-hmm. It would be all about I'm doing things to bring my team the best chance for success. Mm-hmm. When he cut me four times my 15th year in the NFL, wow. the last time while he was eating grapes in the dining hall, he told me it was for football reasons. And I believed him. It was for football reasons. I was 38 years old. He needed more speed on special teams. I could not provide that at 38 years old. So for the Kraft family to Mm -hmm. look at this through the Bill Belichick eyes and recognize what gives their team the best chance for success, there's a chance that they would make a very Belichick move and make it sooner than later. It would be the most ironic thing that the way Bill Belichick when a player had no more value to him, would just say, we well, got to move on, and it's on to the next player, it's on to the next opponent, and he didn't bother looking back in his rearview mirror. How ironic would that be if the same thing could potentially happen to Bill Belichick if they don't beat the Colts and Ben Volan of the Boston Globe may turn out to be right. Chad Brown in for Harry Douglas. Joining me, Freddie Coleman of Freddie and Harry. Speaking of Bill Belichick, being told to move on. Chris Long, somebody who you played against and played with as well, two-time Super Bowl champion. He was on Unsportsman like this morning with Evan Cohen, Chris Canty, and Michelle Smallman on ESPN Radio. 
and he said it like this. He could see the Patriots moving on from Bill Belichick, but that does not mean that Bill Belichick's coaching career is going to be over. I could see a world if hypothetically they are moving on. I mean, ultimately, this is a business, and I'm sure he'd tell you the same thing. You know, so he's not going to tell you anything right now. But if that does happen, I think he'd accept it. And uh, I would hope he'd want to keep coaching because I'm a huge fan of Bills, and I think he's still got it. I think the most interesting consideration is if he's in that next hiring cycle, do people do people want him to be the GM too? I, I think that might be a, a consideration that, that complicates things. I wouldn't think that Bill Belichick, if this happens, would want to be a GM. It would be somebody he wants to have something in common with and let that person make the decisions. But maybe, just maybe, he would retire from that. Let me just coach. Give me the players. I can make that work. You handle the personnel, and we'll make that work together. I could see his ego allowing that to take a back seat, in my opinion, based on him going to another team if that happens after New England. I, I think the coaching acumen of Bill Belichick is difficult to question, although it's become easier the last couple of years. But the personnel side of things, that's far easier to question. And so for Bill to move on to it would be ironic for him to reunite with the New York Giants. Um, hmm. It'd be interesting because his guy Dable is there, a guy who he brought up in, in his system. Um, but to Chris Long's point there, the GM relationship, the coach and the GM have to be on the same page. When those guys are in friction, it creates a very ugly thing because the GM brings in players, the coach won't play them. Mm-hmm. The GM thinks this player has a certain fit, the coach doesn't see it that way, and he puts that guy in a different spot. So those guys are always at odds. When I was a part of the Patriots, Scott Pioli was a GM. And Scott said, hey, me and Bill have to be in agreement on everything. Otherwise, we don't make a move. Right Now, in the end, I think it was probably more 55 Bill, 45 Scott. But Scott found ways to wrap his mind around what Bill was thinking and for the most part agreed with that. So I think those guys had a great working relationship. Um, to find someone else who's willing to have that same role, that may be more difficult, particularly if he's a young GM who's trying to make his way in the league. Exactly. That's going to be a, a, a clash of personalities there because I'm sure Bill has very strong opinions on the personnel side. It's amazing that we're here and put up a shut-up weekend in the NFL as we're calling it, and Bill Belichick and the Patriots are in that vein when it comes to putting up or shutting up because they have a bye week playing in Frankfurt, Germany. They're 2-8. and eight going. If they're 2-8 and eight coming out of that game, that could get very, very sticky. And if the crafts will pull that trigger or decide to wait till after the season, either way, very, very tricky things in the land that Tom Brady used to live in when it comes to the New England Patriots. Don't forget to hit us up anytime you want to Dr. Pepper call in line. Would you take Jim Harbaugh over your NFL team's current head coach? 888-729-3776, say espn And we're still in the waiting game when it comes to that punishment. Will the wait be over soon? That's next on Freddie and Harry. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu.